0: But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's not really no air. Is, this is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got, got Ford a Ford runway system. in the front yard. <laughs> so there was a thing in the forums. Um, listener Commissar, let's see, C A U M M I S A R, listener Commissar, um, alerted us to, alerted the forums to the fact that. Um, he, he reposted something from the Vans Airforce.net forums, um, and I won't read the whole thing here. But the the, the sort of uh, uh, punchline here is that there's there are site, online sites where that are sitting on aircraft N numbers that you can then repurchase. The, the, the idea is that you know appealing. It's called Short Yeah, it's uh, one of several. And I never even—I mean, this kind of thing is very, very common to the point of it being scam in uh, the in internet domain world. Um, sure. And yeah. uh, but I had never realized this kind of thing was even possible in the in the aircraft and number world. You guys are obviously familiar with this. Is this okay? No. Oh so, no. It's, it's, good. It's, I'm glad we agree. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying. Um, this has pretty much been the way it's been. Yeah. Uh, there's been no real um, rules on how to access or how often you may access the, the FAA registry because there hasn't been a need for that. No one's ever really tried to use it as a scam base. hmm Um, and scam is maybe scam is know, too not strong the, a word. Yeah. I, yeah. May, scam is maybe not the right word. It, <laughs> Mm-hmm. on one level you've got to admire the entrepreneurial nature of what they're doing they saw a market they saw an ability to corner that market or at least uh, um, control aspects of that market and they stepped in and they and they're making money you got to admire that that type of tenacity and in, in planning and implementation mm-hmm. that said um, it's not necessarily a good thing when what was once free, basically, from the FAA now costs um, a bunch of money. Right. And that's that's the fundamental problem. Yeah. Uh, it, it costs
2: them 10 bucks to put a hold on an end number to reserve right. it. And then they tell this guy, oh, yeah, you can have the number you want for $1,500. What,
0: that's what, according to the uh, Vans I, I, post, yeah.
2: And I'm sorry, but they can bite my shiny metal belly skin.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's like uh, I don't know, you well, know, and especially in this day and age when it's probably all automated too, they probably got scripts that are going and 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 scooping up these
2: end numbers. It's not like someone's doing a lot of work. Um, well, I didn't, I didn't want to turn this into a personal thing a year ago, but I went online and reserved a number for my YX project. Yeah, sure. And the number I wanted, uh, well, I. I Tried to do it in October of 15. And I was told that somebody already had that and their hold on it was going to expire on this date. So I put a uh, reminder in my calendar system the night for the night before. I got up really early that morning uh, that the in number was supposed to become available. I went on the FAA website. I put my reservation in. I paid my 10 bucks and said, Okay, your your uh, application has been accepted, and we'll be in touch with you with a notice. And then I get a, a funny feeling about it, and uh, so I reserve a second end number. Mm-hmm. And this has some common elements to the first one, which was sh- much shorter, and uh, about. Four or five weeks later, I get two envelopes from the FAA registry in Oklahoma City. One of them is telling me, congratulations, you got the second N number that you – it is now reserved in your name. The other letter said, sorry, somebody else is sitting on this, Uh, and they got in ahead of you. And uh, So I called the number that they said, if you got any questions about this, and I called, and the lady explained – That these outfits have automated computer programs and at one minute past midnight, they flood the FAA with applications for all of these numbers that are coming up and they resell them. And they think it sucks, but there's no regulation against it. There's no rule against it. And she thought that it was not fair that people that actually want to use them on an airplane have to go and pay somebody big bucks for their $10 investment. And we agreed, and I thanked her for her time, and I sent in the letter and got my 10 bucks back for the one that was being held, I think, immorally, if not illegally, Mm -hmm. and went on with life. But this bites. Oh, yeah. And, Yeah. and, And I'm wondering what it is that we might be able to do to influence the FAA to change this so that you got to supply an aircraft registration application like home builders get, which you can do the instant you get your kit and paperwork. Uh-huh. Or like aircraft owners get when they buy an airplane, that yeah. you've got to be able to submit paperwork for the airplane that's going to go on before you're allowed to hold an N number. Mm-hmm. Because how, this, how, this I, just I, bites.
1: I'm trying to figure out how that might be implemented. You, we can submit... Um, I think we can submit registration information electronically now to the FAA. Yes, you can. So, what's to prevent someone just as innovative as these people to maybe put that into their bag of tricks, also, and try to spoof the FAA computers into right. uh, the, meeting all those requirements, all these additional requirements? Right. I, I, I'm all in favor of finding some way to do this, but I'm I'm. I'm scratching my head on how to how to you know maybe limit the number of transactions in a period of time. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I don't I know what the
2: to a, to is. talk to a former FAA employee who's a buddy of mine from decades back. And uh, he said yeah, he'd heard complaints about it before and a friend of his had tried to get a custom N number for his airplane when he bought it and repainted it and he wanted an N number that honored the birthday of his son and uh, pretty simple in number and uh, well, he was told that that was being held and he found a place that was being held and they didn't want 1500 for it but they did want 750 mm-hmm. and th- that started them talking about it so they talked to headquarters and people at headquarters said well it would really have to be done at the website level where it was all combined into the same application Sure. So that when you apply for a custom end number, you have to submit the details of the aircraft. You're going to register that N number, too. And you don't have to do that when you reserve the N number. You don't have to put what the airplane's going to be on. Obviously, the, the uh, people that resell them couldn't be doing that. Right. You know, they, they'd be falsifying it or using dead, you know, dead uh, data plates, uh so it it, would, it needs to be leveraged at the FAA level, and I think it's going to require a, a, a populist movement on the part of the pilot community, <laughs> particularly the EAA and the experimental community, mm-hmm. to get the FAA to change this. And it would benefit the rest of GA community too, the people that are buying pre-owned airplanes, old Cessnas, and 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 Bonanzas, and so forth, uh, to help them along get the numbers they want. And if it puts these people out of business, uh, I'm not going to shed a tear because I think it's probably two or three people with a computer programming skills that the rest of us don't have.
0: I think that makes sense. I think it's a real possibility. Um, I I like your idea, David, of requiring that you also submit some sort of aircraft registration information in order to sit on one of these numbers. Um, How long – so the way it is now – how long does a pure reservation last? Is it indefinite? That for the ten dollars? No, it lasts a year. A you year have to renew. So it. Yeah. Okay.
2: But. And I'm waiting on my renewal notice right now. Uh Because uh-huh. when I got the letter last year, they said that they would. Uh, the uh, the uh, twelve uh, month period started when they sent the letter confirming that I had the N- N number, the, my backup end number right and that they would send a letter notifying me uh in advance t- if I wanted to renew that mm-hmm. so yeah yeah
0: yeah because this is just rife for abuse i mean in the domain name world it's just awful um yeah. you know because people not only sit on appealing domain names but they'll they'll search the records so i happen to own a a fair number of domain names because of the web development work that i do um and i regularly get um, solicitations from these domain parking folks um, right. who are offering me my domain name but with a different top level domain so instead of uncontrolled airspace.com they'll say and you could also own uncontrolled airspace.net because they've they've registered uncontrolled airspace.net and are sitting
2: on it and right uh, and they want you to buy it and from they want them. me to buy it from them you know yeah and, i've uh, got a couple of domain names that i, I get pitches like that yeah. too and uh, so you know it. It's an old time aviation writer. I don't I don't see his work anymore. Uh, but years ago, uh, he learned that an athletic shoemaker had just bought its first business aircraft and they were waiting on, you know, it was, it was going to be delivered somewhere downstream and. Uh, that day, he got a hold of the FAA registry and registered November 1 Kilo Echo. Now, picture yeah. that graphically in your mind. What's sure. that spell? Yeah, of course. Nike. And he he got the N number, and then he sat on it. And a few weeks later, he got a, a phone call from an attorney for... A company whose name is spelled very graphically similar to <laughs> November One Kilo Echo, and uh, they uh, wanted to wanted him to release it. I don't remember what they offered. I, I know it was more than a pair of tennis shoes, but uh, he uh, he said that no, no, I've got a home built project. I'm planning on using this. Well, they came back said we would. Offer you this much money, and they he said, "Yeah, no, but I'd take this much money," and they said, "Yeah, no, but," and he did okay. Yeah, yeah. And for all I know, he may be one of the people behind one of these.
1: I I used to fly a um, a Piper Archer that had a what for lack of a better term, we could call a vanity in number. It was November one, Mike Charlie.
0: Uh huh.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. And and yeah, um, it, it was a it was a club airplane, and, it, and at one point it passed out of the club. And uh, my understanding is, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, um, the owner, uh, the new owner, uh, was able to sell the in number to a company wanting it mm-hmm. for a lot of money. I don't. I don't know all the details, but that was that was you know supposedly what I was told, and I, I don't doubt it a bit.
0: Interesting stuff. It's weird. It's it's. Uh, no, yeah.
1: November one, Mike Charlie is now assigned to a Gulfstream four. Put that in, in in perspective. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. Have you ever? So, David, you are, and I'm not David. I'm not going to ask you to reveal the end number, but you obviously have a, you know, the, it has some meaning to you, and that's cool. Um, Jeb, the N number on your your uh, deb and air is just a random uh-huh. number, right?
1: That's correct. Yeah. yeah,
0: and yeah, and um, and likewise, the champ is probably random as well. Whatever it had exactly. when you bought it. Exactly. Um, I know that. Uh, have you seen? So you were talking about the ones that you uh, have seen that you know had some meaning to people. I know a buddy of mine um, bought years and this is a long time ago, but uh, when I was living in California, but my one of my flying buddies. Um, Bought himself a new Bonanza and uh, and ordered up a custom um, N number, and his thinking he he actually gave some thought to selecting an N number that. Ended in three characters that he felt would be easy to understand and express on the radio, which I thought was always thought was kind of interesting. It didn't okay. have with his; it wasn't his initials or anything like that. He just gave some thought to what was not a mouthful, what was what was you know you would hear well on the radio and things like that. And so, um, I also there was a there was another pilot who flew out of Palo Alto Airport when I was back there who apparently his nickname was some variation on the word moose, you know, like the animal a moose. Okay. And uh, and so he arranged, I don't remember the exact N number, but it was something like he got November 00 Sierra Echo or something like that, all right? And his uh-huh. theory was that the N was close enough to an M, and, and and he would, in the pattern, he'd call himself, you know, experimental moose or whatever mm-hmm. the aircraft was, I forget. And the, the controllers knew him and let him get away with it, but, uh, you yeah. know, or recognized him so uh, um
2: you know well i just i just checked that the uh n number that i wanted and didn't get is uh was assigned to an actual aircraft on the fifth of this month oh so they sold it
0: yeah
1: bummer
2: yeah bummer bummer all right that's okay i've got i've got one that i'm happy with yeah i'm glad that's good that's good
0: Well, on that note, welcome, folks, to uh, Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. Uh, where we talk about overly controlled end numbers over, Yeah, exactly right, yes. Uh, I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm uh, coming to you again this time from uh, the uh, Hidden River Home for Wayward Aviators, where I am the guest of my good friend, Jeb Burnside, here for uh, <laughs> Jeb what's the, There's a line at the end of the movie, The Big Chill. I don't know if you know the movie, The Big Chill. It's the one where oh, yeah. um, the yes, a yes. bunch of, uh, you know... We're, ne-
1: we're, ne- we're never leaving.
0: Yeah, that's right. And at the very end of the movie, I think it's Jeff Goldblum turns to the host and says, no, we're never leaving all right and that's i keep thinking of that line in regards to my visit here jeb not to make you nervous but uh, i'm having a good time and it's a beautiful sunny day here and uh, it's a good old thing uh and i'm and talking here uh, in our virtual hangar with uh, my two good friends uh, as i just mentioned one of those is jeb burnside who's uh, also from somewhere near sarasota florida how are you doing this morning jeb what's going on
1: i'm doing well i'm doing well it's another monday morning uh-huh uh, i had a uh, um Busy, busy week last week, uh-huh. and uh, doing some flying over the weekend. So it was good to uh, to catch up yesterday. And now I got to hunker down and get some work done. Yeah, so.
0: it's that week for you, I know. Yeah, I, you know, and and it. Well, no, I was going to say something. I'm not going to say that. You have. A, I talked We joke about this being the Hidden River Home for Wayward Aviators, all right? But you are a very, very hospitable person. All kidding aside, all right? Because I, I went away for a week to go do the day job. And uh, and while I was away, other friends moved in to visit you. So uh, you you are a very very generous uh, host, and uh, um, you know I always figured if I had a home like this, I'd welcome a lot of people into it too. But
1: uh. yeah, yeah, I, I I have a cousin uh, and his wife uh, who, growing up, I was always the runt cousin among. Uh, um, I was the youngest of that generation who was at the cousin level among uh, uh, my mother's side of the family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he went off to Nam. Again, he's one of the cousins. He went off to the Nam, and, uh, you know, we kind of lost track of each other. We were at a uh, birthday party for another cousin. Not long ago, he lives just up the road, about an hour's drive uh, uh, west of Lakeland. Uh-huh. And so, you know, why don't you, why don't y'all come down, you know, and plan to spend the night, and we'll cook out, and, and we'll, we'll, uh, there might be alcoholic beverages, and you uh, you know, we'll do something in the morning, and, and, uh, you know, be good to reminisce and all that. So we did that the day after. Uh, uh after jack went off to orlando mm-hmm. and uh there's been a few other people through here since then also yeah.
0: So yeah. you never know it's a happening place
1: i tell it's you i to have place. to start i'm gonna have to start charging admission I know.
0: and my other good friend here in the uh, virtual hangar is uh from the air capital of the world wichita kansas david ha- dave higdon how you doing dave what's going on
2: oh looking at a uh What's shaping up to be a lovely morning here, and uh, got a nice stack of work to do to look forward to, and uh, doing OTE. hmm Sounds good. How is the airplane
0: going? Have you had a chance to put some time into the airplane, or what? Uh, what's the latest? Uh,
2: yeah, I did a little bit over the weekend. I needed to uh, create a tool to uh, help me position ribs inside the flaps. Okay. Uh, Too far in for me to use my hands to reach. And after doing some consultation on the uh, Sonics Foundation Builders website, uh, got confirmation of an idea that that I had. The the, uh, guy that gave me the tip uh, used a variation on the same idea that I had. And I went over to the shop uh, about an hour and a half ago to, uh, test it out and it's going to work. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I won't get back over there until Wednesday, uh, because of, uh, obligations between now and then, but it's shaping up good. Yeah. Now you actually possess basically all the parts now, right?
0: You, you, didn't you receive the engine as well? I, I, I...
2: Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've got the, uh, engine kit. I've got the, uh, entire airframe wheels, tires, brakes, uh, fuselage is done the wings are done the canopy is on uh oh, okay the uh cool. i want forward windshield I, is installed yeah. you need to send us a picture at least send it to yeah. me, job
0: i mean we may we, yeah. you know, i want to see this thing that sounds great it sounds like you're a lot further along than i had envisioned that's terrific
1: when, when t was out did he did you and he uh, get some hours put in
2: say that again you were a little when, muffled
1: when t was out to visit did y'all get anything done together?
2: Yeah, we did. We uh, we we worked on the uh, finish the uh, uh, ailerons, which still had uh, one piece to put in each one of them. Uh-huh. And uh, then we started tinkering with getting the ribs in the flap skins. Uh-huh. And this was actually T's idea. And, uh, so we got the, the pieces to do it. And then I hadn't been back in the shop for a while. Sure. I began to question whether my idea or Tom's idea would actually work and, uh, intervening obligations and I finally said, okay, before I lose more time getting frustrated, I'm going to post this question and see what other builders did and got confirmation of the idea. They used a different, uh, Kind of material for this tool, but it's the same basic approach. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, onward and upward. Cool, cool. outstanding, yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
1: That's that's one of the uh, not just benefits but allures of home building is that that network of people that you get to meet.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, they're, they're good people, and uh, they've been around for a long time, and and you'll find groups like this, uh, websites like this for virtually every kit model and uh, manufacturer out there exactly. you know the probably the the biggest and most active is the vans rv group mm-hmm. and uh but these guys so there's uh hundreds of them uh on the uh on the website and uh if they haven't done it it probably hasn't been done yet
1: yeah so or you don't or you don't want to do it yeah. yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah.
0: So contrary to how it might appear, David, you didn't already know every aviation person in the Wichita area.
2: <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Well, that's great. Expanding your horizons—that's terrific. Getting out of your shell, David. I'm I'm, I'm pleased to oh, hear. Well, then, then, you know, I met met a few new ones at the uh, Wichita Aero Club gala Saturday night, and uh-huh. uh, where my good friend Paul Bowen was uh, given the uh, Aero Club trophy. Cool. And, uh, okay, whose phone is ringing? That's mine, and I'm gonna reject that call for now and call him back later. Cool. Paul Bowen. Yeah, we uh, we were uh, several hundred of us in the Wichita Aero Club gathered at the uh, airport uh, uh, DoubleTree Hotel uh, to uh, honor his work and uh, present him with the Aero Club Trophy and. Uh, this was the seventh annual of uh, that event. And uh, uh, Paul's got such a, a wicked good sense of humor. Uh, when his time came to speak, he did a PowerPoint presentation that was mostly funny stuff from his years of doing work. And uh, in the, uh, one of the presenters commented that Paul probably has more time sitting backward in the tailgunner spot of a B-25 than uh, any combat veteran from world war ii uh,
0: okay well yeah
2: that could well, that's well great. be
0: all right yeah well, that's, that's cool yeah. yeah following up on something we talked about last episode basic med uh, uh basic med uh, aka the third class medical uh, exemption um apparently there's been a little bit of follow-up here what what's is this new information this uh, approved online course what i'm not sure who put this on the list david maybe you put it on the list
2: I did. Uh
0: So this is just part this, of the one uh, yet another tool to help pilots meet the requirements of basic med. Yes?
2: Yes, and it's starting down the road for uh for people that want to take that path when it becomes available on May 1. Mhm. And, uh, as you might expect from the world's largest pilot organization who knew that this was coming since last July, uh, they were pretty much ready to, uh, to, uh, push a button on a computer and, uh, launch some tools to help pilots deal with this, uh, including how to do the, uh, new basic med certification and, uh, the uh, checklists that uh, you've got to go through yourself uh, to self-certify and what you got to take to the doctor once every four years. And uh, uh, it, it, it's a good starting point for those that uh, want to use that option. Uh, and I've heard from some people, had some discussions uh, online and, and uh, in person and on the phone about – there are fears and concerns about this and complaints. One complaint is that you only have to do this doctor visit every uh, four years, but you have to do the paperwork yourself every two. And, well, if you a third-class medical certificate holder over 50, you have to renew that every two years. Why don't you have to go to the doctor for the airman medical, basic med, every two years instead of getting every four? And, well, the answer is you got to do this. Self-certification thing every two years. So they were
0: complaining that they didn't have to go to the doctor more often?
2: Right. And uh, another one was, well, I just checked with my insurance man, and he says that for my policy to apply, I've got to have a third class medical. I said, well, of course you do. Because that's the regulation that was in existence when the policy was issued.
0: Right. Basic Med didn't exist back then.
2: There was no option to fly under Basic Med when you got that policy for that airplane. And by the time it goes into effect, that policy will probably have language that says third class or Basic Med or that insurance company is going to lose business. Yeah. And we went through some of these same yeah, buts and yeah, buts uh, when the uh, sport pilot certificate option came along. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not going to be able to get insurance. Nobody's going to insure these things if you don't have a medical. Well, that wasn't true. And uh, wait till all these guys started having heart attacks and. You know, the FAA will rescind this in a couple of years. Well, that hasn't happened because the the accident history hasn't matched the doom and gloom expectations of some of the people. And it's basically the same group of people, same core of people in the same mindset that are complaining about this, who complained about Sport Pilot, what, 12 years ago now? Right. Uh, So... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your insurance policy says you got to have a third-class medical because that was the only option to available to fly your pick one one fifty 150, one fifty two Cherokee one forty Cherokee one eighty Musketeer Bonanza whatever. Now there's a new option. The insurers are going to adjust their policies accordingly. And why are they going to do that? Because you will have met. If you follow the basic med procedures and rules, you will have met an FAA requirement for flying the airplane that you own, and that's all the insurance companies ask you to do now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're going to embrace this option just like they embrace sport pilot. So you know, if your policy says one thing now, check with your insurer on May 1. I bet you it'll have changed. Yeah. So, that's good.
0: There's also, for people who want perhaps a more terse or more official uh, view of this, um, FAA has released an advisory circular that goes through the details of uh, what, what's required and how to do it and so forth and so on. And uh, you can check it out. What's it called? It's actually got a designation here. Let me find it. Where to go.
2: Oh, this is uh, advisory circular 68-1, yeah. alternative medical qualifications. Yeah.
0: So, uh you know, we're gradually all getting up to speed on how this all how this works and uh, and what the steps are. Jeb, you're awful quiet. Anything you want to add to this? No, I,
1: I, I'm not a thing. Um, yeah, a lot of, I've seen a lot of of um, Internet chatter about, oh, this is this is bur- this is still burdensome. This is still X. This is still Y or or it's worse now or, or whatever. People get a grip.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's fine. It's not quite. It's not as yeah. totally freewheeling as we maybe had dreamed at one point. But it's, I think it's a good it's, rule. It's
1: a it's a lot better than some of the initial proposals. It, were. it
0: is better than some of the yeah interim
2: proposals we saw and, along the
1: way. It you know, yeah. covers more operations, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah, uh, yeah there's
2: one area that I, I understand the concerns, and that's among the manufacturers and owners of light sport aircraft. Who are concerned that their products may not be as attractive in the market now that there's an option that will let you fly without a third-class medical on more capable aircraft Yeah, and in conditions that m- most light sport aircraft are not allowed to fly in And uh, the the folks that own a light sport airplane that want to exercise the uh, 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 privileges that are available under basic med should talk to the manufacturer of their airplane because the manufacturer has the power to change the limitations on your airplane so that they can say, yes, you can fly it at night. Yes, you can fly it in instrument conditions if it's properly equipped because the manufacturers are the ones that set those limitations, not the FAA. I think I understand what you're saying. So,
1: yeah, okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I do. Um,
2: are, are there LSA well,
0: aircraft that are restricted by the manufacturer to day only? Is that what you're saying?
1: Oh
2: yeah, yeah. And the reason a lot of them did that was because the sport pilot limitation is day VFR. But the use of the aircraft by a licensed pilot with a third class medical. Uh, does not subject them to the limitations of the sport pilot. So there are some light sport manufacturers out there that say, you know, for people that have the right license, day and night, VFR is okay. And there have been one or two that looked at IFR.
0: Right. I, I know that so was So that their a airplanes could
2: be used in training. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So... Anyways, it's a process. Uh, Jeb, I'm sorry, did I interrupt you there? No, no. Yeah, so it's a process, and we'll continue to learn more uh, up until uh, May 1st and beyond on exactly how this works. But uh, I think the three of us are agreed that this is a good thing. This is a step forward, and yeah. uh, this will make flying accessible to more people safely.
2: Well, and it, it manufacturers can open up the window a little bit by expanding the limitations on their aircraft to allow people with basic med to at least fly night BFR, uh, with no, no real, uh, added liability, I see, mm-hmm. but we'll see.
0: Yeah. Hi, this is Jack. We here at uncontrolled airspace are very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. There are two simple ways that you can contribute to this podcast. You can make a one-time, non-repeating donation by using PayPal. It doesn't need to be very much. As little as $10 or $15 is a big, big help. Or you can make an automatically repeating per-episode pledge with Patreon. With the online service Patreon.com, you can pledge as little as $1 per episode, put limits on your per-month contribution, and change or cancel your pledge at any time. For more information about how you can support this podcast in one of these ways, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. That will take you to a page with details on both these support methods. Thanks. Moving on, um, so uh, listeners, uh, just to give you some context here, we are recording this on a Monday morning in late January. Um, David, uh, Jeb, and I got a chance to go to uh, the uh, Sebring LSA show, so-called Sebring LSA show, now called the uh, U.S. Sport Aviation Expo, on on Saturday, and uh, got to spend some time there on Saturday, wandering mm-hmm. around and meeting up with some friends and uh, and looking at airplanes and and stuff and. Uh, you know, it was, it was it, interesting. Jeb, you, you arrived, we arrived separately because you flew in, you were out, you were right. zipping around. I was coming back from my day job up in uh, Orlando. So I drove in and you were zipping around Florida in the Debbie. Um, and right. so you flew in. Um, what was your, your thoughts, Jeb? Any, any, any thoughts? I mean, what did you think? Was it a, was it an interesting show?
1: Um. <sighs> Yeah, it was. I mean, it, 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 to me, I, I, you know, I always try not to have expectations, uh-huh. but um, it, it exceeded them this year uh, to the extent I had any. They had some trouble last year. They shut down one day for, for weather, and that proved controversial. Um, there, was, uh, there was great interest in how the show was going to go this year. Yeah. From all visibility, from everything I saw, it went well. They reorganized a lot of things. Um, the way they have now arranged the, um, the flow, if you will, through the show um, makes a little bit more sense. Uh, it certainly is, is um, more productive, I think, for the exhibitors who might otherwise have, uh, be missing some people. Right, right. Um, there's a big drone contingent. That's I'm a not, whole, yeah, go ahead. yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure um, how I feel
0: about it, but yeah,
1: okay. yeah, but it, it 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 did seem well attended. Maybe that was a product of the way it's now been organized. Um, but I thought it was a, a pretty good show. Certainly worth uh, 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 what minimal effort I put uh, to to get there and yeah.
0: back. It was uh, yeah. So just uh, for for people who may be familiar with the event from past years, but didn't get there this year, um, the uh, the event for years now has been held on a certain part of the uh, of the airport ramp, um, sort of to the north ish of the terminal building, um, in amongst some other hangars and and reaching out to the edge of the taxiways. Um, this year, the and then and it sort of then in the old days the 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 layout would kind of tail off towards the front of the terminal building and you could actually walk down there and go to the restaurant there and 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 visit some of the vendors that that were sort of already resident in the, in the terminal building, but it really wasn't located down by the terminal building. This year what they did is they basically just they instead of it being roughly a rectangular ish kind of um, showgrounds, they stretched it out and made it longer and put it on the ramp right out in front of the terminal building and somewhat centered it on the terminal building. So, if you, so you actually enter. I happened to enter through the terminal building. There was also a, an outdoor gate that you could have gone through, but I actually... Entered through the terminal building, and and I first my notice first thing I noticed was that there were actually exhibitors in the terminal building. They have these little, these little uh, I don't want to want to call them little, um, um, you know cubbyhole, uh, uh, you know areas in the main lobby of the terminal building, and uh, they had uh, what appeared to be temporary for the show only exhibitors in there so that was kind of interesting the restaurant was a real happening place um as you might imagine and then you step out the uh, airside door of the terminal and uh, and that's you know the show was right in front of you to the left and right and uh, and that was kind of an interesting you know way of arriving at the show i i i was impressed um with that um as jeb you alluded to um the the show was not only went through change i mean it literally went ch- through changes it was under very very new management right. this year right um and uh which probably plays into the fact that they made some changes uh so uh as far as the show itself is concerned, it seemed to and Jeb jump in. If you have any thoughts here, but the the it, you know all the usual usual suspects were there. Um, the you know all of the very popular uh, uh, light sport and, and uh, were there Some power parachute people were there. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the uh, um, the air cam people were there. That was kind of cool. Uh, we, we, we ran into one of our mutual friends, Dave. I'll tell you his name later on. Who told us that he's getting ready to buy an air cam, which would be kind of cool. Um, and uh, so I want to hear more about that later on. So uh, uh, you know, we saw that the the exhibit tent. I thought so. I think the ec- outdoor part of the show was comparable to the to in terms of number of exhibitors and and that kind of thing was comparable to past years. Um, I thought the indoor this it was in a tent, but the indoor exhibits was smaller than last year there were fewer booths i thought um not to say it was tiny there was there were some interesting vendors in there and a lot of people in there talking to them but i thought there were fewer exhibitors there although like i said some exhibitors moved into the terminal building and there were other places and 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 as you mentioned the drone people had their own exhibit tent altogether Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. there's that um
1: no i I agree The the um what what I would call a hanger, the in, indoor exhibitors, uh, vendors, that display was smaller than in previous years. Yeah. Um, whether it was made up for um, with the the drone um, uh, vendors or the and or the vendors up in the up at the front of, in the terminal i don't know yeah. possibly uh, um this, you know the bottom line though is we both spent money there so there we did
0: go. yeah yeah we bought a cool gadget maybe we'll talk about that but uh yeah we spent some money there and so uh, and saw some cool airplanes and uh, i got a chance to uh, see that 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 funky one seater that I'm now blanking Merlin. Is that what it's called? The, yeah. the, the yellow one seater airplane that uh-huh, a number uh-huh. of listeners have pinged me on recently. They want me to buy. Um, so, uh, that's, that was kind of interesting. And, uh, you know who else yeah, we, well, talk
1: to? yeah we, we, we talked about that and we both agreed you could buy two Cessna 150s yeah, for, for the, one of those for
0: the price of that right, and, right. And, and that's ironic given that that particular the Merlin airplane is is actually very economical as LSAs go um, so uh, yeah it, it, that is an ironic part of the whole thing and so um, that was there was that and uh, a lot of flybys going on a lot of, a lot of showcase flybys going on um, throughout the time that I was there Um, And the way they've repositioned the layout, the arrival-departure runway is right out in front. So you also got a chance to kind of keep an eye on those kinds of – you know, that kind of flying as well. Um, And – so that was, you know, it was, it was a good show. I was only there for three, four hours or something like that. Um, and, uh, but uh, some good stuff going on there. Got a chance to talk with some friends. Uh, spoke to, uh, to uh, Jamie Beckett from, from, well, we've known him for a long time. These days he does a lot of AOPA work. Um, so he was there and uh, with his yellow 152, which is a very cool airplane. I like that airplane a lot. And uh, we were chatting with him for a while. And, uh, you know, so it's, it was interesting. But let's talk about the drone thing for just a minute. So uh, the, uh, the, off to one side, sort of at the edge of the old exhibits area, is where they had all the drone activity. And they probably had two, two or even three drone cages set up um, where they were flying drones during the show. One of them was this sort of um, heads-up, uh, first-person view, drone racing thing where they you go through a course and uh um and and there oh, were there were a lot of people in this drone area they also yeah, had their own exhibits tent that i didn't go into but i kind of peeked in the door and, and there was a lot going on in there um i i dare say that exhibit tent was bigger and busier than the other exhibit tent um it was you know drones is a happening thing and uh, uh i you know
2: i i well, I've seen some of this first-person view drone racing on 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 TV. Yeah. And uh it's apparently becoming quite a thing. I had first Well, it, it's it lets a lot of old shopping malls and and big box buildings be repurposed into something uh which has some spectator uh component uh, in some of these courses. Uh I'm not sure it's going to catch on as a TV sport, but hmm. I don't know, David. I wouldn't put it past it. It might.
1: Well, you, if if they all have their own cameras,
0: they, they do. I mean, that's how these guys fly yeah. them. They no. were no. a head, They were a, a, a you know a video headset, um, so that they're actually seeing through the eyes of the drone.
1: And we, that's. we must we must be entertained, and and uh, uh, even drones will have their fifteen minutes.
0: So I just well, have I, I just have reservations about this. This is very nearly falls into the same. Ca- I've always been very vocal about air shows shouldn't have a car component. All right, it's like you know, the fly-ins and stuff will also have you know like bring in the Mustang car club, you know, and you know, or they'll bring in the the jet truck, you know, or things like that. All right, and I've always been pretty vocal about how I thought that didn't belong. Um, that you know, airplanes are plenty interesting enough. We don't need to do that other stuff to attract people to our fly-ins. And, and drones, I don't know. I just don't see drones as... Jeb, I mean, you look, just imagining. think back, looking around at those drone folks, and they were pretty excited about the drone stuff. There was some energy down there. But yeah. was that experience going to lead them to sign up for flying lessons? <sighs>
1: I I don't know. I mean, yeah. we a, ask me in 20, 30 years. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I, I think I'd probably that alone will not. Um, I, exposure to drones in and of itself, um, probably not. But exposure to other aspects of aviation, perhaps uh, in conjunction with exposure to drones, may have some impact. Um, I I, I kind of wonder um, if you know maybe in an alternate universe, but thinking down the road, shall we say, uh, the basic concepts behind the, the the drone technology, we just need to scale that up. Uh, it, when you think about it, wait a minute. Say that uh, again. Now
0: we need to the,
1: the basic the basic drone technologies. Yeah. So you've got you've got batteries. You've got what uh, whether it's a quad or, or something like that. But you've got the autopilot capabilities. You've got GPS. Uh, there's no reason you can't add ADS-B There's no reason you can't do some other things, uh, including in-flight internet, et cetera, et cetera, and and and. Constant networking between these devices. There's no reason you can't scale that up mm-hmm. to where mm. you can put four humans into it, except, of course, energy densities and the regulatory environment. Right. Uh, Although so batteries are getting better and better. But. Batteries are getting better and better. So I kind of wonder if, you know, what GA is going to look like in 50 years. There's a lot of people saying there won't be a GA in 50 years. But there's always going to be some um, need, if you will, for uh, um, private airborne uh, conveyances uh, uh, as opposed to commercial airliners or something like that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what it, it's, what, what it's, will the technology augur for that in fifty years? Uh, I don't know. D- but this, it could be, you know, again, drones just scaled up.
0: Maybe. Uh, David, it,
1: go ahead. It, it ain't, ain't going to be a, a, a 66 Debonair uh, running on 100, 100 low lead. that's for sure. Hey, I, yeah. I, uh. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I, I mean, I'm kind of with you, Jeb, on the whole subject of drone, drone-like aircraft, you know, these, these quadcopter-like aircraft scaling them up so that you know you can put two or four seats in it you know i mean i've talked about that before what sure. was that, what well, was that it, volocopter it, it, thing it, that we talked
2: about a bunch of episodes right. ago you know then there's, there's people already you know working on those ideas yeah. Uh, oh yeah you know you oh, yeah. know drones delivering humans and uh i'm not sure that uh, how far through they've thought this because when you start putting humans in it The FAA is going to start looking at it a whole lot differently than they're looking at it right now. And in terms of tests and certification and safety and all that stuff. Right. Didn't
1: didn't we just have a major rewrite of Part 23 that no one really knows anything about yet?
2: Yeah, a big rewrite of Part 23. It's all uh, performance driven, you know, It's, it's outcomes driven rather than. You will do this this way because this is how we want you to do it, mm-hmm. and uh, so that, that that would make that task easier. But I get a sense from some of the drone fans that I've talked to that they think that because they've got a commercial drone license and they're flying doing photo missions, that they just have to wait on somebody to scale it up and they'll be able to fly people around. And I'm like. I'm not sure the FAA meant your commercial drone license to be a commercial pilot's license in the sense that it's applied today. Right. And the other flip on that is there are always going to be Luddites like me and you guys that would prefer to fly ourselves and having the autonomous brain do it for us. Because those machines are always going to be more expensive coming into the market than a 66 Debonair.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, if you co- capability by capability, they're, they're, they're going to cost more. And we're years away from them showing up right now. We just need to uh, assure their integration into the airspace and gives them... See and avoid capabilities, and the FAA a way to track them in the airspace when these huge numbers start delivering pizzas and Amazon packages and so forth. <laughs> and and we're a bloody long way from from reaching those marks. Yeah. So it's true they've made some remarkable progress. It's a, a rapidly growing. Uh, there was a guy flying a, a quadcopter in the park next to my house yesterday. He was flying through a lot of parks and just really getting close to that 400-foot altitude limit uh, at times.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, a couple of us, when we encountered him in Oak Park, warned him that there are two very large horned owls, two very large barred owls, and three different kind of hawks live in there, two of which are also bigger than his drone. <laughs> And, and you get it in the wrong part of the park, and I guarantee you, one of those birds is going to go after it. I want to mm-hmm. see that. That would be cool. Yeah, and uh, probably to the detriment of the bird and the drone both. But
0: I don't know. Uh, I put money on the bird myself. But okay.
1: there was there was some video I saw on YouTube within I the think last I know year. What you're so about, yeah, of uh, uh, basically a quadcopter that was attacked by an eagle or something like right. that. And, yeah. And the 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 quadcopters uh, uh got the worst of the end of the deal. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, oh, I, no, actually, I would, th- I would rather see the copter get the worst of it. Than oh, that, I would, too. Uh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but that's my bias. So, anyways. Well, well he, I think he saw one of the birds uh, through the first-person view that his uh, quadcopter was giving him uh, because he had a, a, a smartphone video uh, in video mode clamped to the controller. Because when he got back in the part of the, uh, park where, uh, one of these birds is living and hunting, he, uh, brought it down pretty quickly and had to weave through some tree limbs to get it down to where he could uh, land it in front of him. And they packed it up and left. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the smaller of those hawks is outweighs his drone by probably 50%. Right. Right, right, right. So, uh. Uh the bird watchers will not be amused when they start to flood the park during the uh, annual migration system. So could
0: be. Isn't that park within five miles of an airport?
2: Uh not quite. Uh okay. Dark. Just outside the five mile ring. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested. I don't ha- I don't have to worry too
1: much about trions.
0: Yeah, I know, really. Yeah. I'd be the hawks though. You got to keep an eye out because you got some serious birds of prey around this. Oh place. yeah,
1: there's there are there are birds around here. Yeah, That's
0: yeah. For sure. so I'd be here, I'd be curious to hear from listeners um, about um, specifically about drone activity and displays at fly ins and air shows um, because maybe I'm just you know. An, Old codger and I've got to get with the new way of things. But I would like to hear from listeners. Um, what do you think about um, having a big drone presence at shows like Sun and Fun and Sebring and and in uh, Oshkosh? Um, send us an email, a po- podcast at UncontrolledAirspace dot com, or go into the forums and uh, maybe we'll start a, a a topic over there on this subject. Um, you know, what do you think? Do these things belong at fly-ins, or, or maybe I'm just behind the times? You know.
1: It's uh, I, I don't know. I think that's the wrong question. Actually. What's the question? Um, how can we leverage this interest?
0: Okay, that's a that's a good question too. I admit. Answer. Give us your feedback on on either or both of those. That would be that would be very useful um, for us to educate ourselves and also maybe pass it along to people and 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 energize some conversation in the future. Yeah, yeah.
1: As much as we don't or may not, let me put it another way. as much as much as we may not like the idea of drones or the idea of drone sharing airspace with with people, aircraft or just on general principle or whatever. Uh, they are a reality, and maybe we should be thinking about how to take advantage of that reality. Hurry up, people. We're losing the light. Gather around, gather around. Okay, this is the scene where the members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. In this scene, their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the organizations they work with. So your motivation for this scene is... Anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. Of course, you knew that, right? Because it's in the script. Okay, places, everybody. Lights. Quiet on set. Let's get it in this take this time. Camera rolling. Audio. Speed. Speed. And marker. UCAP disclaimer. Scene
0: 23, take four. And action. Off-field landing of the week. We've got uh, from a story in the uh, tcpalm.com website, which I think is a Florida website of some sort here. TcPalm is a Florida website. It is, uh, as in e- Palm e-
1: Beach? E- Shh, east coast Florida. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over,
0: over there. Yeah, right. Over oh, there. Yeah. Those guys. Those guys, yeah. <laughs> From the tcpalm.com website, uh, a story that's Dateline Stewart, which I believe is a town in uh, Florida. A uh, small plane makes emergency landing on Stewart Golf Course. A small airplane made an emergency landing Saturday afternoon on a golf course in Stewart, Martin, uh, the Martin County Sheriff's Office officials said. Deputies got a call. I'm now starting to paraphrase for landing involving a single-engine plane uh, at the Miles Grant Country Club, uh, and uh, yet another example of uh, of uh, golf courses being reliever fields.
1: And uh, so, uh,
0: what is this? It looks like a is that like a Warrior or something like that? There's a picture here.
1: Yeah, I can't tell from it's it's.
0: It's a fixed see. gear Cherokee. It looks like. Yeah, it's, oh, it's
1: either it a warrior gear? or an archer. Yeah, it's a fixed gear. It's war, it's a warrior and, archer. Warrior
0: and, archer, yeah. and uh, uh, an archer. Warrior or an
1: archer, yeah. Probably an archer. I can't really read So So, uh, let's see. According to the story... wait. Oh, oh, you know, one thing we could do is look up the end number. That would tell us...
0: You could look up the end number here. You look up the end number while I read a little bit more of this story here. Single engine plane. Uh, let's see. You now, witness Ted P., um, said he and his neighbors heard a loud bang. They went outside and saw the plane headed directly towards the clubhouse. Uh, he saw the plane make a slight right turn and skid on the grass uh, on the 10th hole near the clubhouse, right in front of the tee-off area. Uh, the quote, this, this guy's being quoted now. He says, the engine must have backfired. That's an aviation technical term we all know. Yeah. Um, uh he said uh said there's no uh Christopher who is this this is uh sheriff spokesperson uh Christofek uh said there was no damage to the plane uh, nearly half a dozen neighbors went to the scene after the plane landed. No golfers were on the hole at the time, so it was all pretty uneventful, other than it was a serious forced landing. Uh-huh. Um, I just hope the pilot replaced the divots. Yeah, some serious divots we're seeing in one of these pictures here. Um, and uh, but uh, otherwise, seems like uh, you know a, a, a forced landing, well done uh, here. Uh, let's see, I'm not finding the pilot's name here, but uh, says uh, he said. About two or three men were on the plane. I'm pretty sure it was either two or three. It wasn't about <coughs> two or three. Um, and uh, all
1: exited it was, the plane. It was, it was 2.337. That's exactly
0: right. There you go. It was the average family
2: airplane That right there. Um, oh, at least it wasn't like that crash in Europe where a 152 crashed in a small town. Yeah, yeah. And they, they recovered 23 bodies before they realized that they, were, they had crashed in a cemetery. Yeah.
0: So this is all good. All these airplanes doing landings on, air, on, on, uh, on golf courses, I, it makes me worry that one day the golf people are going to want to use the airport ramp as a driving range. Um, and uh, I don't know.
1: Well, that could get expensive very quickly. Yeah, I know,
0: huh? That's what I'm saying. Well, I'm sure they think fixing the, the. I don't know the the exact nature of this country club, but some of them fixing the divots in the grass is not an inconsequential
1: inconsequen- thing. Yeah, but I'll bet you there's enough uh, members of that country club who also fly airplanes uh, to make this probably a probably a no-brainer. I that's for possible. Did you
0: find the N number yeah. on the? Uh... Yeah, it's an Archer. It's an Archer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, congratulations to the pilot who is, seems to be unnamed in this article, but uh, congratulations for getting on the ground
2: safely. Very, very cool.
1: Yeah, good job.
2: Starting to run. Anyone out of our, you can walk away from. Yeah.
0: Starting to run out of a lot of time here, but I did want to, David. You put a bit on the list here about an open letter to Secretary Chow, who is the new um, Secret, uh, uh, Secretary of Transportation. Am I right about that? That's correct. Or or or, uh, or will be. Has she been approved yet? Has she been?
2: Uh, I believe she's confirmed.
0: Confirmed? <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. So what, what's the nature of this open letter? Uh, David, I think you're the one that knows something about this.
2: Yeah. It, it got my attention uh, when I was doing some research for a blog post that I do weekly. And I, I got to know Joe Del Bazo. Uh, the author of this letter when uh, he was still with the FAA and I was still working in DC. And he wrote an open letter, and uh, uh, the JDA Journal uh, published it. And uh, it's titled Recent Events on ATC Privatization Stimulate Practical Questions in an Open Letter to Secretary Chow. And I encourage everyone to – it follows this subject of uh, the uh, Airlines for America's renewed push to turn FAA's air traffic uh, management over to a, a private entity dominated by air carrier board members. Uh, read what Mr. Del Balzo has to say. Take it to heart and turn it into a conversation with your members of Congress and, and, and your senators. Uh, because Joe really hits all the points very well, sanely, calmly free of uh, free of propaganda, free of uh, uh, hyperbole and uh, looks at it more in a uh, practical how would you execute this uh, point of view and at the end of the day uh, he uh makes a compelling case for improving the FAA's air traffic management by improving the funding and staffing, but leaving it where it is in terms of congressional control and FAA management. so mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah, that was yeah, it's, it's it's very thoughtful, and he raises a lot of very good questions that um, um, obviously there's no really good answer to right now coming from the proponents of privatization. Um, that's certainly one way to oppose privatization. I don't, I'm not sure uh, the motivations here, but uh, I really think privatization is going to be a very, very, very bad thing. Uh, at least as as um, as presently envisioned by its advocates, mm-hmm. yeah, um, it, it's just not going to get any better. Right.
2: Yeah. So you know, uh, when you when when you hear when you hear the airline people talk about this, uh, well, you know, the FAA could be using satellite tracking uh, uh, for air traffic <laughs> management as so, well. Guys, we're in the transition on that right now. So, what you expected to flip a switch and it go from one system to the other? Right. Well, they're not doing it fast enough. Well, Congress hasn't been providing money at the rate that they needed. So, no, they can't it's like complaints. Oh, our embassies don't have the protection that they should have. That's <laughs> right, because Congress won't appropriate the money it takes to provide that level of protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you, this stuff's not free. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and
1: it's not rocket science either.
2: It, no, it's not. It's It, it doesn't require an advanced degree to understand that if you want services at a certain level, they have to be paid for, uh, like embassy protection uh, or air traffic control, which by the by is paid for fairly well through the system that we have now, the excise taxes on fuel, airline tickets, and and cargo way bills. Uh, We would be a lot better paid for our system If uh, Congress would stop letting the airlines uh, duck out of paying taxes on the check bag fees and the uh, special seat fees and all this stuff that they've introduced to keep fares low and minimize the tax exposure, which, by the way, isn't the airlines uh, bill anyway. It's the passengers and the shippers that pay those. So, yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Read uh, it, think about it, Yeah, and we'll about a, it.
0: We'll get a link to this uh, open letter in the, uh, in the show notes, and we'll get it in the forums. And uh, you can probably dig it out yourself if you go to it's – it's the JDA Journal. It's the blog of Joe Del Balzo's uh, um, um, business, apparently. Um, the URL is jdasolutions.arrow and uh and you can probably find it from there or like i said we'll get a link into the notes um interesting stuff yeah shout outs what do we got here um i had one shout out of my own on the list but i'm going to push it until i talk about things i'm working on so uh how about you guys any shout outs here before we wrap this thing up
1: let me see uh,
2: david I, I got a little quickie uh, and i was going to ask you guys if you'd uh, it happened upon uh The uh, folks from Be Light uh, uh, down at uh, yeah, uh, we we
1: did. We introduced ourselves. So we were we were friends of Dave Higdon's, and they clammed up and just turned their backs and walked (laughs) away.
2: uh good old james and kathy uh, i'll be yeah. supportive <laughs> no no we
0: well, we, we didn't they, they were kind of they, had, they all they had was a booth a, a table in the indoor exhibit area that i saw i didn't see any any of their airplanes um but they were and and uh there was you know it was pretty quiet there when we were there but i was looking at some of the material for this what you what you're about to talk about david um and uh as well as their their uh you know existing line of aircraft but yeah what's what's new with them uh, that I, that I think is the nature of your shout out david
2: yeah the nature of the shout out is a uh, uh, tip of the hat to uh, james and Kathy weeby of uh, b light uh, on the uh, decision to launch development of a two place b light design as up to now uh, they have strictly Adhered to Part 103 uh, as the uh, guiding light for their designs and the product that they've been uh, building and selling for several years now. And uh, so they are going beyond the Part 103 into uh, the experimental amateur built-in that will qualify as light sport Mm -hmm. when it's done.
0: Yeah, Part 103 being also known as ultralight.
2: A part 103 being also known as ultralights, right, 254 pounds, max weight, empty weight, five gallons of fuel, day VFR, no certification requirements, no training requirements, no airman requirements. Right. Just build it, fly, and try not to hurt yourself. Yeah. Uh, but now
0: this two-seater, what's, what's, it, what's it like? What's it all about?
2: Well, it's side-by-side, side, and uh, they're going to give you the option uh, to build it tricycle or tailwheel. Uh, I I imagine the tailwheel will be the dominant Because it's going to be lighter, cleaner And uh, easier to build And uh, James is incorporating some uh, material Common in aerospace production But not found much in ultralight or experimental amateur built Uh, Aluminum honeycomb material, for example In the uh, wing ribs and uh, major parts of the fuselage uh, structure. Uh, And and James is an engineer. He calculates all this stuff out, tests it out, and so far has had really uh, decent uh, success with his products and his line of electronic instruments uh, for uh, light sport and experimental. Uh, So I I think they're going to find themselves uh, tapping uh, a whole new uh, segment of the market with this. Uh, no flaps, big ailerons, uh, and uh, looks like a really well thought out, well built up structure. And if you go to the link we've got, it shows you pictures of them doing sandbag tests on the uh, on not only the wing but also parts of the fuselage uh, where they do a weight test to uh, uh, confirm that it's uh, going to be able to kick, handle the the loads imposed on it. Mm. So.
1: I got sandbagged once. Yeah. Do we want to <laughs> <Never>, know? No. <laughs> no. Okay.
0: Well, that's very cool, David. We'll look at. It. But now, do they do they even have a prototype, or is it just a design on paper at this point?
2: Well, they're building the prototype now. That's what the photographs show. Is okay. the uh, them doing stress tests and uh, weight and, uh, load bearing tests on the uh, different components that will go into the prototype? And, uh, knowing James, I'd be really surprised if he hasn't at least flown this by the time we all gather the first week of April for Sun and Fun. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Okay. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Other shout outs? Jeb, you got anything?
1: No, I don't.
0: Okay. Then, uh. Let's wrap this sucker up. Uh, I, uh, thank you, guys. It's always a blast to uh, get together and and, and chat. And uh, um, we'll do it again real soon. Um, Dave Higdon is a uh, Dave is a uh, aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Av magazine. David, what have you been working on? Anything fun?
2: Oh, lots of stuff. Uh, I've got a piece coming in uh, Av in a couple of days uh, uh, that looks at the. Uh, the market ahead for business aircraft, and uh, working on a weekly blog. Uh, already got one roughed in for this Friday, uh, and honestly, don't remember what I wrote about last Friday. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know, <laughs>
2: I know the feeling.
0: Great. Well, where can people find you and all this stuff on the internet?
2: Oh, buyer dot com. Uh, we had the cover story of the January uh, Avionics News. That's AEA dot net for Avionics News or. Uh, I'm slowly edging into Twitter on a more regular basis, and that's uh, real Higdon. There you go. Very, very good.
0: And uh, Jeb Burnside, uh, innkeeper here at the uh, Home for Wayward Aviators and also (laughs) a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. What have you been working on, Jeb? What's going on?
1: Uh, not a whole lot of anything. Uh, uh, personal life occasionally does intervene and uh, have to step away from the keyboards. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, once we hang up from this, I am um, how do I full throttle? That, yes, uh, that was going to be full throttle uh, uh, on uh, the March issue of Aviation Safety.
0: Great, great. Yeah, and and where can people find you and all this stuff on the internet?
1: Uh, AviationSafetyMagazine.com is a great place to start. Uh, I also uh, uh, contribute articles to uh, avionics news so aea. net um, ga news general dot com uh, I've got a monthly column there trying to keep alive <laughs> um, um, let's see what else I didn't say the Twitter machine Twitter machine is Burnside J
0: very very good awesome. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance
1: writer, and a new media
0: producer. Uh, continuing to do a final cleanup edit on uh, volume three of the Around the Field collection. Uh, this is a, a collection of uh, past columns that I wrote uh, at Air Venture over the years, and uh, and this goes back to the mid two thousand uh, the aughts, the uh, two thousand five era of uh, of Air Venture. It's interesting to revisit some of the things that happened at Air Venture back in those years, and so that'll be. In volume three of Around the Field, um, available uh, initially as a Kindle uh, ebook and probably as an Apple ebook as well at some point. Um, I, as I alluded the other day, I've also started working on, uh, I'm trying to broaden my horizons here from being not just an audio uh, guy, but being a video guy. And so I'm a little late to this game, but I am trying to learn a little bit about video production. And so I've been experimenting with different things, and I've started to post them now uh, on YouTube if you're at all interested. Uh, uh, you could go to my youtube channel which is youtube.com slash user slash jack hodgson uh, just like all my other ids it's just my first and last name with no space in the middle and uh Check in on the on the videos I'm posting there. It will not be hundred percent aviation related. I'm mean, I'm guessing it'll be half or so aviation related, and then the other half will be other things that I'm interested in, or or just things that that uh, you know have have uh, uh, caught my fancy. Um, and uh, um, one thing that's of note is that I just the other day posted. So Jeb mentioned that he had gone flying in the Champ. And uh, I shot some video of him just kind of starting up and taxiing and, and then the takeoff and, and edited that together into a very simple little brief video of uh, Jeb, uh, Jeb departing um, in the Champ. And, uh, and I'm getting some nice comments from people who have looked at it already. But if you're interested, go to the YouTube channel and you'll see that Champ video. I'm hoping that by the time people hear this, there will also be... Um, um, I, I shot a lot of video at the, at the Sebring show uh, on Saturday, and I'm trying to put that together into sort of a highlights thing from
2: from Sebring, Sebring 2017. Oh, you, you could put that link in the show notes, right? And for the all video? these links,
0: all these links will appear in the show notes for sure. But uh, in the event you're just trying to do it for memory um, on uh, on YouTube, I am uh, YouTube.com/slash/user/slash Jack Hodgson. Uh, if you want to keep track of all the things I'm working on, sign up for my email newsletter. You can do that by going to my main website, JackHodgson.com, and and there's a link there on the main page for my email newsletter. Follow me on Twitter, uh, where it's twitter.com slash jackhodgson. And there's a lot of other information about me at jackhodgson.com if you're, if you're, if you're interested. So that's all great. Hey, big thanks to uh, Jeff Ward for his help with the show notes and in the forums. Uh, thanks to uh, Mike Morgan, Royce Earl, Jim Goldman, and to all the other listeners who have created the uh, UCAP disclaimer clips. Please support UCAP by making a repeating per-episode donation of any size via the online service Patreon. and get all the, You can get all the details about this at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. And while you're at it, go into iTunes, give us a review, uh, give us a thumbs up, check some stars. Uh, it really helps to get the word out um, if you uh, say a few words about us over there. You can follow the podcast itself on Twitter, where we are twitter.com slash classGAIRSPACE. That's all one word, class, the letter G. And then airspace. Uh, You never know what might turn up over there. Also, listen to UCAP in the free section of Sporties Pilot Shop's mobile app, Takeoff, along with other podcasts and special Sporties content. You can get your UCAP hats, shirts, and other cool gear at the UCAP Swag Shop. That's at uncontrolledairspace.com/slash store. And don't forget, you can check out the rest of the UCAP website. 10 years, almost 11 years now, worth of UCAP show notes and episode downloads. Uh, And last but not least, chat with us directly and with many of your fellow listeners in the Uncontrolled Airspace forums. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, you are going to
2: throw something in here. Well, if you want to look as old as Jack does in some of his videos, you need to spend more time flying. Because, you you know, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye sad but true Uh, and that's enough talking let's go flying
1: ttfm